on Dairyland Frights, the podcast that carries everything mysterious, creepy, and spooky in the Midwest, we have a special guest with me, Mike Huberty from American Ghost Walks. Hey, Mike, how are you? Pretty good, John. Uh, thanks for having us on. Um, my name is Mike Huberty. I am the owner of American Ghost Walks, and we are a haunted history tour company. Yes. I, and I saw that. And you guys are, uh, so I understand this correctly. You're the, you're the owner. Uh, right. You're like all over the country, though. You're like in different states. Is that correct? Yes. So um, it started out. So interestingly enough, um, I've always been into ghosts and the paranormal. You know, growing up, it was always exciting whenever they would have some kind of real paranormal activity on TV. And my sister was really into my sister's seven years older than me. And um, she was always into it, always interested in it. And I remember getting excited when I was a little kid and you'd see, yeah. you know, John Davidson and Kathleen Crosby and Fran Tarkin <laughs> on that's incredible talking about <laughs> yeah. uh, like the, the haunted Toys R Us in California, or there was a werewolf in England. Oh, right. And uh, my mom used to have us listen to, um, you know, the Chicago ghost hunter, Richard Crow. When he was on WGN, oh, sure. and we used to listen to him in the early '80s a lot, and he was always one of our favorites. Learning about Chicago history and ghost stories, and we grew up in a, in a small town called Big Bend, which is a, like a suburb of Milwaukee near Waukesha. And, oh, sure. And so, just always, always interested in that. And then, I get to be about twelve years old, and what do you see in the local news? Is this haunting in Horicon? And this is before it went to this before it went to unsolved mysteries, and you had the haunting of the Tallman House, and the, yes. you know, the 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 TV sketch artists that would normally do the sketches of the courtroom trials. You know when they wouldn't allow cameras in the courtroom, they'd only allow sketch artists in the courtroom, and so the TV stations mm -hmm. would have somebody go in there and and they would draw from the courtroom. They were drawing the stuff yeah. like, you know, the, the haunted things from the, those, uh, the story of the Tallman house in Horicon, Wisconsin, yeah. and you know, the haunted bunk bed, um, and, and all that kind of stuff. And then a couple years after that, um, on the new local news is Linda Godfrey and the beast of Bray road. Beast of you Bray know, road. when you, when you get to December in 1991 and then the beast of Bray road story launches in, um, the Elkhorn newspaper that, you know, Linda Godfrey was a ca cartoonist on. And so we had ghosts on the local news, werewolves on the local news. Yeah. So being always interested in the real stories, I love yeah. horror movies and like everybody, but being always interested in the real stories, um, you had, you know, growing up in Southeastern Wisconsin in the late eighties, we had, yeah. it was, you know, the newscasters would talk about it. Like they'd be like, okay, there's a werewolf right. in Elkhorn, Wisconsin. Now, now it's going to rain tomorrow. Like that now the weather. And so <laughs> growing up, you, you kind of get that. And yeah. And so, you know, and me and my, me and my sister were always interested in uh, ghost tours. We, you know, we eventually did take Richard Crow's ghost tour in Chicago. Whenever we go on family vacations, mm. um, we yeah. would, we would take ghost tours. And just really be interested in it and and into it. And then in 2008, my sister started a ghost tour in Milwaukee. So it was the first ghost tour in Milwaukee, the original. Um, she was a school teacher. And then she would do that over the summer um, to make a little extra money. And I, um, in 2010, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm playing, I have a band called Sunspot. We, we play a lot of paranormally Ooh. inspired songs and stuff, but um and so my Check it out. band was so summer two, summer 2010. I didn't have a didn't have a job. I was on tour with the band. Uh, I came home at the end of the summer and I was like, I have no way to make any money. Like, what am I going to do? And uh, because the tour is over, where we make some money. And so yeah, my sister said, you know, you you should start a ghost tour in Madison. Halloween's coming up. And so mm -hmm. the first thing I did was I said okay, and then I, I went out. Uh, I walked down to the Capitol Square. And I yeah. knew that the Great Dane, uh, the Great Dane pub had some ghost stories. And so I just walked in there, sure. I ordered a beer and I, and I asked the, the waitress, I said, Hey, this might sound weird, but I heard uh, that the Great Dane is haunted. What can you tell me about it? And right. she looks at me and smiles and says, well, I've seen two ghosts here, but you should really talk to the manager because she's seen nice. like four. 
Nice. And that's it. And then, and that's what I started doing. And I started going around different places in the Capitol Square and yeah. I'd, I'd ask their ghost stories. Then I'd look at the history of the building and write about, you know, write about the people, the, exper- the experiences that people have had in the building. We start there. And sure. then it goes to yeah. how does that connect to the history of the building? Then how does the history yeah. of the building connect to the history of the town? And then what was going on in the world at that time? Uh, to, to connect mm-hmm. that all together. And, mm-hmm. and so I, I wrote a Madison ghost tour and then I performed it for the first year. Um, and you know, I did, you know, I worked to support myself with it. And then it, things kind of, you know, grew from there, uh, right. doing it. Yeah. That is, uh, awesome, Mike, because that to me is what all paranormal people start out with. Like for myself, uh, one of the things uh, I saw from my mom one time was reading a book uh, on the Summer Wind Mansion. And that's in Wisconsin. So oh, yeah. she, w- she was like, yeah, so she was like reading this book. And I was about, I don't know, like 10 years old. And I said, hey, mom, what is that? And my mom goes, oh, it's a really interesting story about these people who lived in this mansion. And it's cursed. And, you know, and I'm like, <clears throat> That's it. <laughs> that is so cool. Right. You know, that's something I'm really interested in. And the other thing, too, is I always felt there was like paranormal around me. Like I'd be places and I'd be like, wow, there's just something weird about this house. You know, you know, where you get those feelings and everything. And it wasn't until I was in high school where I had my first paranormal experience. I was at my grandma's house and she had one of those like creaky old Iowa farmhouses, you know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's creepy too. And I was getting ready, uh, in the morning to leave with my mom and, and my sister ready to leave. And I hear these footsteps coming down, uh, uh, stairs. And again, this is an old creaky farmhouse and it happened all the time. Grand, you know, grandma was up early and all that good stuff. Sure. And then the door opens and I'm like, Hey, grandma. And there's nobody there. <laughs> and I nice. go, whoa, whoa, what's going on? So grandma w- didn't believe in ghosts. <laughs> grandma was like, oh, I don't know what that is. It's probably the wind or something. But then I was just hooked. You know, I was just like, oh, my God, I got to study this and everything. And um, then I just read all these ghost books. I went on. I've been on like 12 ghost tours, including your own. Um, I've nice. been to one, one of the fa- my favorite places, Savannah, Georgia, where <laughs> people in Savannah, Georgia, they're like, oh, sugar, everything is haunted here. <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> right, anyway, it's, it's like you go into the bathroom of like a, a sonic drive-in, you know, get some food and they're like, that's haunted. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, this is ridiculous. And I went on these tours and also have been in uh, numerous shut-ins. The funny thing is, Mike, is I think ghosts know I want to see them so much, they avoid Okay. Because <laughs> I haven't had a lot of paranormal experiences, but when I've spoken to people, you know, they're always open up about a paranormal experience and everything. And I'm going to tell you a really funny story really quickly that when I was a manager, uh, I was at a manager at this retail store. Okay. And I made no bones about it that I was in the paranormal. So one day, one of my employees comes to me and she's like, John, you need to help me. And I'm thinking, uh-oh, is she pregnant or something? <laughs> like, right. hey, right. let, me let me stay out of this. And she's going, oh, there was something really stupid. We took a Ouija board to a cemetery and we were playing with it. And then we all got scared and we ran. And I went, tell me you hit place the pl- planchette over goodbye. And she goes, no. And I uh-oh. go, uh-oh. <laughs> and so here's the thing. Like two weeks later, her mom comes in and her mom is like, John, okay, you got to help us. I'm like, what is going on here? She's saying, we're starting to see shadows. We're starting to have all these weird feelings in our house. And I, you know, please help us. So I go, okay, you need to go back to the cemetery and you need to get the Ouija board and just hit goodbye and and just get rid of that thing, burn it. So they go to the cemetery and guess what? The groundskeeper had ran over it. So they totally destroyed the Ouija board. 
totally ripped it up under his lawnmower. So I said, this is what you need to do. You need to go get a new Ouija board, go out there and everything. And they're trying to sucker me into it. They're like, hey, John, why'd you do it? I'm like, nope, up, nope, nope, nope. Right. And so eventually, I guess they went back and hit goodbye and everything like that. But that's kind of like with me. People will come up to me, uh, you know, when I, oh, I'm in the paranormal. They're like, oh, let me tell you this story, John. You know, let me tell you this. But uh, like I said, I've been on a uh, number of ghost walks, including Madison. So I'm very familiar with it. Great. And the great thing is, you know, Mike, about the Midwest, there is so much hauntings and so much, like you said, Beast of Bray Road. Uh, you know, all these different things. We've had two of the biggest serial killers in the United States and Jeffrey Dahmer and Ed Gein. You know, it's like certainly, it's certainly a couple of the most in- influential. Yeah. Well, well, yeah. And, and just going to that. So, uh, when I was in high school, so in high school, I went to a high school called McQuanago High School, which was, um, you know, if, you know, a few miles outside of Milwaukee, you go down Highway 43 out of Milwaukee uh, sure. when you're going yeah. you know, south. And then um, that's where, you know, you, you run into McQuanago. And yeah. it's it's only a, a few miles down from the Elkhorn exit uh, with, you know, the um, the Beast of Bray Road. You know, you get off yes. and you go on Bray Road. Okay. So let's fast forward. So with if the Beast of Bray Road, that's uh, comes out last week of 1991 so like december 30th 1991 it comes out in the um elkhorn paper and when i was in high school we would do some things called fright nights where we would go investigate some kind of local legend we get you know we get a bunch of people it was you know a good way as a nice way to have like a group date like maybe you bring some you know guys bring a couple of girls that uh (laughs) you would like or they'd be like hey let's you know go out and try something adventurous together you know kind of love it and so, uh, you know, we, we went on a, a lot of those different ones and a lot of them turned out bust, but we go to this place in McQuanago and I remember, um, coming off, it, it, it's right off the freeway exit and it's all gone now because now that there's a, like there's a medical center mm. there, but this is, sure. uh, you know, 30 years ago when it was much less developed and, um, you know, you come off the freeway and then you're going down into the town. And there's a there's a field to the right, and uh, okay. now the field obviously that's where the medical center is, but it used to be just a you mm-hmm. know an old farm field, and there's a farmhouse mm-hmm. maybe a couple hundred yards from the road that's burnt yeah. out, and it it was there for for decades, it was there for decades, sure. And so I remember my my sister when I was a kid, we were driving to McQuanago mm. for some reason, and my sister told me she goes, okay, you know where that is? They call that place the gates of hell. And I heard that the nice. older kids do the do the Ouija board there. Oh. Funny enough, she has no recollection of telling me that. You know, she's like, "I never told oh, you that," cool. and I'm like, "I made I just made it up. Maybe she was trying to scare me. I don't know." But now, yeah, fast yeah. forward, fast forward to like you were 17 years old, and mm-hmm. um, you know, we one of our fright nights. We're like, "Okay, this is maybe 90. This is 94, I think. Maybe the, the um the fall of 1994, and." Mm. I like, we got to go do the Ouija board in this place called the Gates of Hell. And everybody knew what I was talking about because they knew they saw oh, this burned man. out farmhouse that you could see from the road. Yeah. And it was like, okay, let's go there. So I get a group, maybe I would say 12 people, you know, half guys, half girls. And we all, uh, you know, drive out. There's a park and ride not too far from there. So we all park in the park and ride yeah. and then trudge out on a, you know, late September night, you know, nine o'clock or whatever. It's dark out. Yeah. And we get, we get to the abandoned farmhouse. And it's all, you know, it's obviously, you know, people have messed around with it. There's some graffiti. Yeah, uh, there's just crap everywhere. And so we set the Ouija board down and it, it's me and um, a friend of mine who eventually, I eventually I dated her for a long time, but this is kind of before, you know, that all kind of happened. And we sit down at the Ouija mm-hmm. board and then one of my other friends walks up and goes, here, use this as an antenna. And he throws a bone down on the Ouija board. Okay. I'm like, what? He goes, yeah, yeah, bones. They're all uh-huh. over the walls. They're all inside the walls here. I'm like, what are you talking oh about? Oh my and God. So we're looking in, and there were hundreds of animal bones stuffed inside the walls of the building. Oh, wow. And, I mean, we didn't get any weird Ouija board stuff. And really, I thought I was like 
I wanted to see a ghost or have a paranormal experience. I thought this was bored farm kids who like, you know, they, they read yeah. some kind of Santeria book or something and they just, you know, they decided <laughs> the performance kind of sacred. So, they, but uh, yeah, yeah, I didn't think about it. I was at this place where people would said to do, you know, a cult activity that I was there to do a cult activity and mm-hmm. there were bones, there were animal bones stuffed in the walls. And I just thought, oh, these bored wow. farm kids just doing something. Yeah, so yeah. I'm like, this is, si-. I'm like, this is silly, right? Okay. Well, um, you know, when, when you, you know, read the, you know, on the the hunt for the Wisconsin werewolf, the beast of Bray road book, um, when Linda Godfrey yeah. talks to the Walworth County animal control officer, he talks about finding culver, you know, um, ditches, you know, like culverts, um, mm-hmm. where, mm-hmm. you know, the drive, you know, where the driveway meets the road and, and a lot of the suburban houses, they have that little dip there so that the rain yeah. doesn't just flood the road. Yeah. And, but he talked, he talked about finding hundreds of animal bones, like stuffed into some of these ditches. And wow. he even, he, and he reiterates that in, um, the, uh, Bray Road Beast, the, 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 uh, small town monsters film that came out about, you know, four mm-hmm. or five years ago. And he yeah, reiterates, yeah. and he, he gets interviewed again. And he, he says, yeah. I, like, we discovered these, like, weird mass animal burial pits. And they try to connect wow. that, obviously, with a, with a cult activity going on, um, mm. to, to maybe, Con, in, maybe the beast of Bray Road is not a cryptid. Maybe it's something conjured um, through right. a, through a dark ritual and through you sure. know a, a, sac- a sacrifice of these animals. And it wasn't hmm. until I, you know, it, it wasn't until I thought about that years later that I was like, oh yeah, this is just a few miles from Bray Road. Really, just a few miles. Like mm. it's it's like two, it's like two interstate exits up. Yeah. From Bray Road, uh, from, you know, from, from where you get off to get there. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I, th- we had a sight of a mass animal sacrifice or at least some kind of thing where they're wow. shoving bones in the walls. And you're just saying, wow. like, and I didn't think about that. I'm like, I just thought that I'm like, this is lame. I want to see a ghost. I don't, you know, I don't care about right. bones. And then later on, yeah, I'm like, exactly. oh, what kind of stuff was going on around there? Um, yeah. you know, what, what were people doing? And exactly, it's, 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 so when you say that the Midwest is full of these kind of things, and it's funny you mentioned summer wind because just today, um, my son's preschool teacher told my wife, she's like, Oh, make sure you tell your husband that I'm going to go do a paranormal investigation of summer wind coming, you know, coming up. And I thought that was, and I'm like, Oh, I'm jealous. Like, I want to go out there too. Um, yeah, but there are, there's are, I mean, there are just, there's so much. And, and saying that the Midwest, oh, so, I mean, I remember growing up and, and like I said, I was always interested in the real paranormal stories that sometimes the, mm-hmm. the early reality shows would have inside edition, yeah. current affair, things like that. And unsolved um, mysteries. Right. Of course. Robert Stack and his, um, <laughs> Robert in his Stack. trench, in his trench coat. In the, fog, you. in the fog coming through. <laughs> oh, it's just, it's really, really is beautiful. Really is beautiful. It and, is beautiful. Uh, I, I I love that kind of stuff, and the idea that there are things in the world that we don't understand. I mean, that's Shakespeare, yeah, right? There's there's more to heaven and earth, Horatio, than dreamt of in your philosophy. And it's to philosophy. to kind of to, to ex- explore that, um, and in the Midwest, you, know, you because all the movies are made in the in the production centers. Obviously, I mean, Chicago is a production center, but it's not like Los Angeles or New York. So yeah, when you right. hear, you watch the movies and you watch TV, you're like, okay, well, I, all the good stuff happens in LA. All the good stuff happens in New York yeah. and the Midwest just, just fly over country and it's boring. Part mm-hmm. of what makes working on these tours exciting and doing the research and putting it together is that we get to show people how interesting their towns are, or if they're visiting the Midwest, the towns that they're visiting are. And right. so that to me is, is a real, um, treat where you're like, well, I did, you know, even in Madison. So I came to Madison for college in 1995. And then, um, I, I moved around a little bit for some jobs and when my wife's first job after law school and stuff, but then I, I always came back here, uh, to Madison cause I just I love it. Yeah. And 
it wasn't really until I was doing the research to create the Madison Ghost Walk that I started appreciating the place more. When I started paying attention to the history, that wasn't just yeah. the college, you know, that I that mm-hmm. I was used to. But I started right. learning about the history and the buildings and the people that were here before us and their legends and their stories. Um, and then going back to some, you know, Indian stories and things, uh, you know, when we talk about the lake monster and everything and uh, Bajo, you know, we have uh, here in, in Madison. Yep. But yeah, it's um, it, it learning, connecting those dots makes you feel closer to a place. Really, it yes, made it me feel much closer to Madison. And when I'm doing research on a place, that makes me feel much closer. So if we can help people do that who come to town, whatever town it is yeah. in the Midwest, because we have tours in Milwaukee, Waukesha, Madison, uh, Bayfield, Wisconsin, Lake Geneva. You know, we've got a lot of this state covered. Yeah. Um, it If we can make people feel like, oh, I did not realize that Milwaukee was cool. You know, I didn't know about mm-hmm. these gangs in the third ward in the, you know, 1850s. I did, um, or, or that Wisconsin Dells was, um, you know, Byron Kilborn, the, the, one of the guys that started Milwaukee, he's up in the Wisconsin Dells and he makes a shady deal, um, to get the Wisconsin Dells to become, uh, the place where the railroad crosses the river. Right. And yeah. then destroys the destroys the nearby town that everybody thought was gonna yeah. was gonna have it. And you're like, well that's like Wisconsin Dells was formed on the like a metaphorical murder of a different city. <laughs> that's crazy, right? You don't think about yeah. that. You, you know the other thing, uh Mike, really quickly is with Madison too, people forget like Camp Randall. So they think of the Wisconsin Badgers and they go Camp Randall, but they don't realize that was a real camp and Civil War soldiers were there and it was part of a prison, you know, and and people don't think about that. One of the things uh, really quickly, uh, I did a just recently an episode on Dairyland Frights of Lincoln Park Zoo in Chicago. And under that zoo are like 15,000 bones remains of people still there where people say they'll be like out walking their dog and the dog will come with like a bone, a human bone. And, be, and they'll be like, ah, because they never moved the bodies. They just built right. over top of it. And they just went, that's well, they what were go- the Midwest is. They were going to move the bodies. <laughs> they were going to move the bodies. And then the great Chicago fire happened. Yeah. And so, um, and, and, and so, right. We, we run a, we run a Lincoln Park ghost hunt four nights a week where we do a, a paranormal investigation, uh, in Lincoln it. Park. Um, I love that. And do it. It's really fun. Uh, it, it's really fun. The kind of, uh, evidence people get, but it's also, you learn a ton about the history of Chicago. You end up at the St. Valentine's Day massacre site. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's, you know, it's, it's very close. And so the history that's just contained in that little, in that, um, in that park, in that like mile and a half walk. Uh, there's just there's yeah. just a ton of, uh, you know, Midwestern history, Chicago history, and then that's all wrapped into the fact that there's you know, ten some thousand bodies uh, still that you're walking over that have no headstone. Right. That's just and people don't know about the Pestico fire. That was another one of our episodes. The Pestico fire was worse than the Great Chicago fire because. Uh, People didn't realize it just spread so quickly and people were being like burned alive. And it's this crazy thing. There's a memorial up there in Peshtigo where I've been up and I've looked at it and went, oh, that's a shame. You know, maybe some farms burned down or something. But when we started doing the research, we found out thousands of people died and it wiped out an entire city. And it was almost worse than the Chicago fire because Nobody could do anything about it. There was no fire crews or anything. So it just spread and spread and spread. And well, the, the death, so the death toll, died. the death, the death toll of the Pestico fire was much worse than the great Chicago fire. Yes, um, exactly. What, I mean, building damage was worse in Chicago, but I mean, in Pestico, I mean, there was a, in what they call an inferno, like, like a fire tornado yes. was fire happening tornado, and killing. Yeah. I mean, murdering. It's just terrifying that the idea that is terrifying. Yeah. And interestingly enough, um, you know, the the theories that the uh the Great Peshtigo fire and the Chicago fire and the fires in Michigan that happened all on the same night the the theories That's that the it was it, it was an asteroid 
or whatever, an asteroid that broke up and the burning pieces fell <laughs> on one side of Lake Michigan, like Holland, Michigan, yeah. and then fell in Peshtigo uh-huh. and fell down to Chicago. That, um, you know, now scientists don't think, um, or historians, I don't know, but they don't, sure. they don't think it's like a reason, yeah. a reasonable theory. They think more yeah. that is, there was a lot of, there was a lot of droughts that summer and there was, yeah, there yeah. was fires the day before they just happened. It just really happened that three or, you know, three notable places burnt at the, at the same time. And, and obviously Pashtun mm-hmm. and Chicago, um, are the yeah. most well known, but the, uh, the idea that the asteroid is what caused it. That was all the way in That's the 1880s. Fast. I never heard that one. You know, in, yeah, yeah. in the 1880s, people were theorizing. They're like, well, here's what we think happened. We think that, you know, some pieces of a, like a, you know, meteor, you know, whatever came in, fell in and little bits and pieces flew down to earth. And, and that, you know, explosion or whatever is what caused uh, right. the fires. I mean, but it was a, it was a bad drought that summer and fires were right. popping up beforehand. It was just that night it ended up hitting, mm-hmm. um, that you know places yeah. where people were living yeah so, so Mike, i'm, I'm, always, I'm fascinated with that and go ahead no i yeah i, I it's just fascinating right with all this stuff so i'm going to do some quick fire questions and then i want to get into some spooky stories or some great stories you've had on your ghost walks that you can share with our audience so all right first one bigfoot or beast of bray road Oh, beast of bray road more scary, you think, or just you don't believe the hype in Bigfoot? <laughs> oh, well, I mean, I think if big, you know, the idea that Bigfoot might be like an, an interdimensional being, I find interesting. The idea that Bigfoot might yes. be a ghost of a former, um, uh, you know, like a, a former hominid, I think is interesting. Yeah. But the idea of Bigfoot as a flesh and blood cryptid i know lauren coleman would excoriate me for this but the idea of bigfoot as a flesh and blood cryptid i think um i don't buy it i you know if you, if you want to say he's supernatural flits in yeah. and out between our world and a different sure. world okay but yeah. uh if if bigfoot's running around uh, i'd like to see his droppings yeah right yeah. or something that we know he's there so next question uh a dark-eyed children showing up at your door or disembodied voices you hear nightly that are children voices, which is more scary. Dark-eyed children showing up or disembodied voices nightly at your house? <laughs> disembodied voices <laughs> nightly at my house because disembodied voices, I mean, the black-eyed children thing, that kind of, that feels like an internet meme. You know, that to me, um, like <laughs> get a picture so? of them. Every... Everybody's got a cell phone. Right. Show me the black eye. Show me a picture show of black eyed right. children. Show me the yeah, ring yeah. camera. Show me the ring camera of the black eyed children, please. Yes. Um, now I disembodied agree. voices. At, disembodied voices at night. I mean, that's a ton of poltergeist cases that start with the knocking. Yeah, they start yeah. with the knocks, and over time, um, right? You know, things things start happening. Knocks to things moving around till eventually a voice happens, and then the voice happens, and then all then there's some kind of physical manifestation that that people can see and so disembodied voices have been happening in poltergeist cases for thousands of years um yeah. and so i'm into that black eyed children showing up on the ring camera that's when i'll be into that <laughs> okay so be uh you've already done my ouija board you already said you've done a ouija board so i won't get into that oh, yeah. um have you be honest with me have you ever screamed like a little girl when you've been really scared Oh yeah. Um, there's, there's a, there's a place in Muskego, Wisconsin. And, and so Muskego is another small town outside of Milwaukee and it's between yeah. big bend and Milwaukee when you're taking, um, uh, Hales corners. Uh, I can't remember what the, I mean, forest home road, taking forest home road from big mm-hmm. bend all the way to yeah. Milwaukee. You'll run through Muskego. And, mm-hmm. um, I remember one time my, my friend who had worked at a supper club in Muskego, he said, Hey, have you ever yeah. heard about Haunchyville? And I, this was, you know, this was about 25 years ago. He said, this. and I'm like, no. Yeah. And what's that about? He goes, well, there's these, you know, they say that there's this road in Muskego where there are these little houses where these people they call haunchies live and they're, they're like half size people or maybe they're dwarves. Okay. And okay, okay. they hate. 
they hate they hate full size people. So when you come out there and you bother them, they throw rocks at you, and they've got a full size they've got a full size guy that'll chase nice. you out with a shotgun. And I'm like, that sounds weird. And he goes, okay. Well, yeah. the reason they call them the haunchies is because there was a farmer that lived nearby, and one day yeah. they find the farmer hung in his own barn. And he's hung there that he killed himself and he left a note written that said, the haunchies made me do it. And in the, in the dirt of the barn floor, there were all these little footprints leading out of it. And so he said, sometimes people say they see the ghost of the farmer. And I'm like, well, we got to go to Haunchyville. So, I mean, yeah, we, you know, we drive, this is summer of 1996, maybe. And either 96 or 97, but I, I put my money on 96 and we drive out to Haunchville. It's me, um, the same girl I did the Ouija board with, uh, a couple of years earlier. And then two, two other friends, one guy that worked at the, um, that worked at the supper club and another friend. And we go down mystic road in, you know, in Muskego and we leave our cars and start going down. Now we did see, a like a stop sign or a yield sign or something that looked a little bit low to the ground. Right. Okay. Um, but nothing weird, no little houses, no, no anything, just regular, you know, a couple of houses in the distance and it wasn't very developed. Sure. Now it's really developed with more houses and everything. And you know, 25 years ago, it mm-hmm. wasn't. And right. so we're walking through and then I hear what sound like, I hear what sounds like a pterodactyl, like, a, and I just went, <laughs> and I ran. <laughs> Left my girlfriend so behind I. and everything. I'm like, you can save her. I'm fo- yeah. <laughs> right. And so I just heard, I heard that we all, we all ran, but I ran the fastest and I completely, you ran the fastest. whatever, ma- whatever masculine duty I, I should have had towards that Absolutely. poor girl, I abandoned. And so I, yes, I screamed like a little girl when I was investigating Haunchyville. Okay. Last question. Original Ghostbusters with Bill Murray or the remake. Which do you prefer? I'm not going <laughs> to dignify that with an answer. <laughs> uh, I got it. Yes. The remake okay. I was watching, to be honest with you, I, I have seen it, Mike. And I went, did someone lose a bet? Did, did, did someone be like, hey. You lost the bet. Now remake Ghostbusters. I'm like, all right, fine. <laughs> well, you know, I, I, I think, I think that um, everybody involved was very talented. I, I think Kate McKinnon, obviously, oh, she is, she's wonderful. And, uh, you know, um, and Kristen Wiig, I love everybody involved. Was very talented. McCarthy. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. Funny. I like Leslie Jones. I mean, she's kind of got a one note character, like, but, but that one character is pretty funny. Yeah, and so yeah, I. Very funny. Um, I like them all individually. I liked Bridesmaids. I've enjoyed a lot of their films and Ghostbusters. I was like, okay, let's see what they got. And it was like, th- whoever wrote the script, Paul Feig, he forgot to write a script. Yeah. And so he went in there. He's like, okay, I've got all these really funny people. I'm just going to let them do whatever they want instead of having yeah, yeah. a great story and a great idea. I mean, Bill Murray's cameo was embarrassing. It just a whole thing. Yeah. Dan Aykroyd. Um, yeah. I mean, no, Bill Murray's character dies. They kill him. Right. He he dies. And there are no, like, and that's where it completely leaves reality behind. Because, like, what you, somebody died, like, on your property, the police didn't show up? What? And, like, at least in the original Ghostbusters, if somebody, like, fell out a window and was kind of half murdered or whatever, the police would show, or or maybe Walter Peck would show up with the EPA. But at least something would happen. Walter Peck. So, um... Anyway, so yeah, Ghostbusters 2016. I think they wasted a, a wonderful opportunity that they had to um, to reinvi- to reinvigorate it. Yeah, absolutely. So, could you share with my audience, Mike, a, a couple? It can be spooky stories. They can be fun stories, or even a story where you went like, "Man, to this day, I don't get it. Like, what what happened?" So, if you can. Use your great mind and uh, let my audience know. That'd be awesome. Well, th- there's a couple of things that I think of. E- I mean, even when we just talk about Madison, um, yeah, that that I think are uncanny, and okay, 
uh, I, I always use them as examples of what I think of as um, really interesting. So there's classic right. stories of, oh, the woman in white haunts this. And, you know, you, you take something mm -hmm. like, uh, you know, Taliesin in Spring Green, where, you know, Frank Lloyd Wright yep. had his wonderful property. And then there was that tragedy that happened where his, um, I don't think he was married to um, Mama Cheney yet, but uh, yeah. but he, his girlfriend and her kids were murdered by the you know the servant that worked there and and yep. and then now a, a woman in white haunts a certain area and it's like okay that's a classic kind of story but yes what about the woman in white like who's seen her like can you can you tell me anybody who's actually had some kind of experience there and mm -hmm. something that 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 I get excited about is when I get interviews with people and they tell me some kind of story and then later on it's matched by someone else who doesn't know them oh right for example, so mm, let's take yes. an example in Madison, yes, please. Maj Majestic Theater, right? Gorgeous theater uh, built yes. in 1906. So it's over 100 years old. Um, it's this great vaudeville place for decades. Then it kind of runs into disrepair. It's a porn theater for a while, you know, as the as the right. Barrymore was right by my house, as the Barrymore <laughs> was too in the 1970s. And so like a lot of these, right. beautiful, be all these beautiful movie houses yeah. that um, – you know, we're, we're great in the early part of the 20th century. They eventually fall into disrepair and they're just used for yeah, skin flicks. Yeah. And then later on, they're renovated yep. into music venues. So you right. take, so first time I went to the majestic was to see that like the Rocky horror picture show in the 1990s. And right. they used to have the, awesome. right. They used to have the Rocky horror on every Saturday night at midnight and, uh, love Rocky horror. And so we went down and go watch it. Have a great time. A few, you know, a few years later, I'm working on the Madison Ghost Tour, and uh, by this time, the Oriental had shut down as a movie theater. I'm not the, not the Oriental. That Oriental's in Milwaukee, different haunted theater. Um, yeah, the Majestic in Madison. Majestic, you know, Majestic shut down for a while as a movie theater. It's reopened as like a VIP club with bottle service and everything for a while. Two thousand, you know, four, two thousand five. Yeah, then. Mm -hmm. That shuts down again. And by this point, when I'm working on that, I don't even believe it had reopened as a music venue yet. So now we just had the Majestic mm -hmm. Theater sitting there uh, derelict for several years. Right. And I, I put out a call, you know, probably on the internet or in different places or maybe in the one ads or whatever, you know, when I'm looking for ghost stories, working on the tour. And I'm yeah. looking for things specifically around the Capitol Square because um, I wanted it to be a walking tour. And so I needed a route that mm -hmm. people could do in 90 minutes to two hours, like this, the, like the length of a movie where, mm -hmm. you know, you wouldn't be like, Oh, like, you know, I've been on ghost tours that go for three hours long. It's like, where's the bathroom? Yeah. Guys, I'm going to go on my pants. Right, exactly. And so you need yeah, something yeah. you create, you try to create an experience for people. That's fun. It's interesting and it's comfortable. So it can't be a death mm -hmm. march or whatever. It's got to no. be an. It's got to be. It's got to be an easy walk. It's got to be long yeah. enough so you don't have to worry about a bathroom break. And it's got to be enough yeah. places where you feel like you've seen enough of the city to get a good idea. Yeah. The good idea of it. And right. So I put up my ads looking for. I'm like, hey, anybody had a ghost story in this area? And I get a call from a guy who used to be the stage manager of Rocky Horror at the Majestic in the nineties. And I'm like, all right, all right, let's talk to this guy. And he talks about the Majestic Theater. He's like, yeah. He goes, man, that place, super haunted. Um, you know, in their dressing room that they were, he's like, they called it the green room, their dressing room. Yeah. Uh, where, where they would get ready and they, you know, because in Rocky Horror, to people who haven't seen it, they may have seen it on TV. But the movie yeah. theater experience was that there was a live cast <laughs> in front of the, in front of the screen who would act out the film while the film was going on yeah. and so you would you know there's a part they get married you throw rice there was a part with squirt guns uh, depending on the theater and some toast. theaters love the squirt guns some theaters <laughs> right to that you would just toss these things or, or do these things in the middle of the <laughs> in the middle of the film at these certain points and everybody yeah. would sing along the songs with modified lyrics and and, and the whole deal but a, a live cast would act out the movie in front of you 
So there would be a, a group of people who had the movie memorized and they would be acting out and do all the things and turn around and, and the scenes. It was just, it was really fun. And, yeah. uh, and you see, he was the guy who kind of got everybody together and stage managed the cast for the, for the Madison production of, of Rocky Horror. And he said that in the green room, there was a ghost there that wouldn't leave any of the girls alone. Like, oh, he, you know, he would hide their brushes, hide their makeup, um, kind of mess with their hair, like pull on their They're hair a little fresh and things. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, their theory was that it was a, um, a, a spirit who had killed himself inside the majestic theater of, he was an actor back when it was a vaudeville oh. theater a hundred, a hundred years ago. Oh, sure. And, and so the yeah. actor had killed, held, killed himself inside the theater over a heart, over a broken heart. And that's why he was uh-huh. annoying, annoying the girls. And they called him Joe. Oh, okay. okay. I was not able to find any, I mean, usually suicides don't get in the newspaper anyway. Um, right. but they, they, I wasn't able to actually, you know, verify anything about this actor that killed himself, but it's an interesting story that they would tell. And yeah. they were definitely having paranormal experiences there. Okay. He says the last night, of the Rocky Horror Picture Show, um, right before the Majestic closed down as a theater. I think, it, you know, in 2000 or whatever is when it closed down for the first time. Um, yeah. he is walking out of the green room before the show starts and, mm-hmm. uh, he hears a whisper in his ear, good luck with the show. And there's nobody there. And he's like, I didn't go back. Uh, he's like, that was, the, that was the last time I stepped foot yeah. in that, uh, in that green room. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fast fast forward. Okay, so I was working on I was designing the Madison Ghost Walk in 2010, and 2013 I'm at a music conference in Chicago, and like I said before, I plan a band, uh, Sunspot SunspotMusic.com, uh, Dairyland Frights fans, but the um, thank you, so, and so. I'm at this music conference and I'm hanging out with one of the interns, at the Majestic. And we, you know, we, everybody's just talking, we're having beers, talking about music yeah. and music industry and all that kind of stuff. And sure. our favorite bands. And, um, she, she asked me, she goes, Hey, you, uh, you know, you're in a ghost stories, right? And I'm like, yes, I am. And she <laughs> says, okay, what can you tell me about the majestic? And I said, okay, why don't you tell me what you know first? Because, you know, you work there. Yeah, she goes. Well, I I don't know too much, but I, I I tell you, every time I'm in the women's bathroom, I feel something mm-hmm. weird, like somebody's grabbing at me, or I'm feeling being watched, or it just it's a weird. Yeah. The, the other the other ladies had that same kind of experience in the bathroom, so she goes. I we don't really like we don't like the women's bathroom at the majestic. I'm like that's interesting because between the 1990s and the 2010s when it reopened as a music venue, um. The the area that used to be the dressing room, the green room, is under the stage. And so that's what they turned into the bathrooms uh, under the stage. So the very same okay. room, the very same room that the people had the experience in Rocky Horror where Joe was annoying the girls. Fast forward 20 years and now it's a girl's bathroom. Now it's not the dressing room. Now it's been remodeled and all those kind of things. Uh, people are having the exact same experiences in the exact same space decades apart without even knowing the story of Joe or the kind of legend that had kind of happened in the meantime. Love it. And so to me, that's like, okay, now that's interesting because people from different times who have the same experiences in the same place. And so that one is is one of my favorites in in Madison, at least of people having similar experiences. Um, yes. Let, let's fast. You were talking about the Civil War before, and you were talking about yes. uh, Camp Randall as a prisoner of war camp, and it it, it was not a prisoner of war camp for very long. No, because um, th- like dysentery, you know, like the Oregon Trail or whatever, like a, a dis- dysentery Ugh. went through the camp and it killed Ugh. over, you know, what a couple hundred of. Confederate yes. soldiers, which is why we have Confederate right. Rest Cemetery here, the northernmost. Why would we have a Confederate cemetery in Wisconsin? Is because right, exactly. We can, and and the thing is, when the higher ups in the Union Army, like when the I don't know if it was a general or whatever, came through, 
and after a couple of months and, you know, heard the reports that the conditions at Camp Randall were terrible, um, they discontinued it as a camp and they moved everybody to a camp closer to Chicago because it's yeah. just the, the, the conditions here as a prisoner of war camp in Madison were atrocious. Um, and, and a lot of people died. And so yeah. people will still see Confederate soldiers in Camp Randall. Like they will see ghosts of Confederate soldiers in Camp Randall. Yes. But most interestingly to me is that I was doing a, a podcast with, um, oh, you know, Joe's got, he's got a show called The Insane Asylum. It's another Madison like paranormal podcast. And, yeah, sure. And so, and this was a couple of years ago. And he used to work in security at the Rayovac factory in Madison. So Rayovac uh, used to be at the corner of like Winnebago and East Washington in Madison. Right. Mm-hmm. And now it's you know, like, you, they still call it Union Corners. And the reason they call it Union Corners is because the train came through there. And that's where people would get on to go to the, you know, to go to the front for battle. Like, so all the soldiers from Wisconsin, whatever that if you were drafted or you were, if you were conscripted into the union force, um, you would come to this place to get on the train and that's where you would go to where the battles were happening. And so they call it union corners. Well, the railback factory was there for a long time. Um, and, um, and so Joe was telling me, he's like, yeah, you know, I was security there and I used to have a security guard. She came up to me to, and she told me she saw a, like a civil war soldier. And I was like, what are you, yeah. what are you talking about? And yeah. he tells me about that just, and I'm like, well, you know, that's union corners, right? He's like, yeah, they call it union corners. And he thought it had to do with like a labor union. Well, it's Madison. Union, most right. things Teamsters. have to do with a labor union, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> but I'm like, no, no, no. It had to do with civil war soldiers. So the fact that, uh, you know, your security guard or whatever saw a civil war soldier, not realizing, because he's like, what the hell would a civil war soldier be doing here? You know, Mm -hmm. not realizing that, you know, we had a POW camp that we, you know, that Wisconsin, Madison had was the place where people would get on the train to go. So there were thousands of civil war soldiers, hundreds of Confederates, at least. And thousands of Union soldiers who had passed through that place. So seeing one wow. walking around the Rayovac factory um, is not that, you know, to, as a ghost person, you're yeah, like, well, yeah, true. of course, there used to be Union soldiers. But he was like, isn't yeah. that crazy that they saw a Confederate? So I'm like, no, it's not crazy. <laughs> and so what I like about that, though, is that you have people who are not bringing a preconceived notion. Right. to the story that's the they're best. just like isn't that weird and like yeah n- not really but yeah. the fact that you didn't know about it mm-hmm. and you still saw something makes it interesting to me because that's the right. kind of thing where we're not you know as ghost people um and who are interested in the, in this kind of thing a lot of times right. we'll know all about the stories before we go to a place we'll know the legends mm-hmm. there's been decades of people going to the place who have left some yeah. kind of energetic. And, and I know I'm talking out of my ASS now when I, when I say that, <laughs> that have left some That's kind right. of a- energetic imprint. We're leaving the realm of science and right. going into the realm of theory very quickly. And they've left some kind of energy in a place and their thought and they're, yeah. and they're expecting to see something and they're hoping to see something and, and all that kind of thing. In, in, you know, we talk about summer wind or you talk about any of these places that have had mm-hmm. hundreds of paranormal investigations or night after night of paranormal investigation. Yeah. Like, are you seeing right. a, are you, are you seeing the disembodied spirit of somebody who lived there at one time? Or are you seeing a tulpa created by the thousands of people that have sat there and imagined it over the course of decades? Um, yes. So when you have those situations where people see the same thing completely unrelated, that's when I'm like, okay, that's cool. Now is it what is it? Is it a recording? You know, is it the stone tape? Is it you know a place where you have some kind of um, some imprint is left, like the recording, like the grooves in a record, right? And and the and and the the right moment, the grooves are played, and then you see this played out before you, the recording. 
Um, are you yeah. seeing a disembodied spirit or are you seeing a, a thought form created by all the expectations of people over the years? And so that when you yeah. put those all things all together, um, it's just a, it's just an interesting way to look at the world, look at life and, uh, or look at the afterlife. And so yeah. that, that to me is, is what I'm most fascinated by because I've had some, right. I mean, I've had some scary experiences and things like that too, but I think that the, um, when you get a butt or when you get a bunch of people seeing the same thing at the same time, mm-hmm. you know, that's when, okay, like either yeah. it's a mass hallucination or you guys, or there's something that you guys all saw. And if it's a mass hallucination where four people all see the same thing, that's not yeah. actually there. Well, that's paranormal too, because that's not yeah. physical communication. I'm interested in that. Yeah. Absolutely. And you know, the, the biggest thing from, for me, Mike, too, what I'm really interested in, like you said, tulpas, which I'm absolutely fascinated. I'm also fascinated with doppelgangers as well as I'm fascinated with people who, like you said, aren't really used to the paranormal and what's going on and everything like that. You know, like you said, that's the most original where, like I said, my grandma was uh, I've heard those noises before, whatever. Sure. But she's heard them. I've heard them. And the biggest thing I always tell people who come to me and they'll ask me questions about it and they'll be like, what's the difference between an intelligent haunting and, you know, and just a residual haunting? And there's some other hauntings in there too. So one of the things is, have you ever, because just really quickly, our audiences are smart, but intelligent haunting again is where like something happens where something gets moved where there's some type of communication maybe something writing something like that and a residual haunting is like a movie clip like every day at eight o'clock you see the white lady walk down the steps my question to you is have you seen either one of them have you seen an intelligent haunting have you seen a residual haunting um just kind of curious Intelligent haunting, I'm not sure. You know, we've had some weird Ouija board stuff when talking things, and um, and the idea that I, you know, an intelligent haunting would be, have to be something where you ask a question and it reacts. Exactly um, that too. You know, to like to like to like asking your question, and so if if you ask a question and and all of a sudden it re- reacts with an answer, well, now you're dealing with something that can answer your question, uh, which is intelligent. Whereas, you know, I can talk, you, you can't talk at a DVD uh, and have it, it'll just replay the same thing. Um, residual haunting, we were at a, my band was playing at a bar in Wausau, Wisconsin called the Fillmore. And the Fillmore okay. is right, right by the, like right by the Grand Theater, which is a ton of hauntings um, in Wausau. And the film, so we're playing at this place called the Fillmore, really nice venue. Um, nice. But we're hanging out at the bar and, um, the, uh, the, um, the bartender says like, oh, you know, um, you guys can't, you got to see the ghost at like one o'clock in the morning. I'm like, what's that? She goes, oh yeah. It flashes the lights right. and stuff. And, and this happens every time. Yeah. I'm like, okay. And so this was like at eight o'clock because we're kind of bored. We're waiting mm. to go on and we right. just, so we're bored. We're waiting to go on and you kind of just talk to the people who are hanging out. So I talked to the bartender and then I asked if it was haunted and she goes, and that's when she said, Oh yeah, the ghost comes at one o'clock in the morning and kind of just, I don't know, the power gets funky and stuff at the same time every night. All right. Hmm. And we play the show. We have a bunch of weird things happen while we're setting up for the show. Like a, a piece of metal falls from the ceiling. Um, the, the sound, the sound person, she had said that okay. she had seen a whole bunch of stuff up there. And, and like, so that's what we were kind of like, Oh yeah, it's haunted. And the sound person sees this uh-huh. and all these kind of things. Yeah. And then we get to, we're taking a break. Um, we go up and somebody wants to buy us shots and they had like sunspot shots. They had shots named after us that night, like a special kind of like vodka oh, and awesome. orange juice and a whole bunch of stuff. <laughs> right. So like, I'll buy you some shots. I'm like, yeah, we should buy the ones named after our band. Then you should buy some CDs. And so, um, we're doing the shots and it's maybe 1258 and then talking and stuff. And then all of a sudden, like the lights flash and the power, the power gets funky. Like one of our amps resets on stage and everything. And, um, I look at the, I'm like, I look at the clock. I'm like, oh, it's one. 
And then I re- remember, you know, cause this is somebody told me five hours before that the power always shifts and acts funny at the same time mm-hmm. every night. And I just experienced it and didn't realize it at the time. Like, Oh, that's weird. And then I remember that somebody told me about it a few hours beforehand. And so yeah, that's the only time I've seen a residual haunting where the same thing seemed to play. I mean, what could that be where it happened at the same time every night? Like what from the power company, you know, is there some kind of faulty wiring that something yeah, happens right. every 20, every 20 yeah. rely reliably every 24 hours. I don't know, mm-hmm. but that's, that was their experience at that particular, at that particular establishment. So then being in a band, you're familiar with the ego uh, ballroom and the rave. Correct? Has your band ever played there, or have you? Yes, we've, have you we've ever, played. Oh, awesome! Not the Eagles Ball. We're not big enough to play at the Eagles Ballroom, but we've played in the rave bar. So. Yes, and you're familiar with all the ghostly stories there and all the band stuff. Any experience there, really quick? Well, um, my sister just went on there. They, they did a big haunted thing over Christmas, and they let people down oh, to see the yeah. pool. They let people down to see the pool. Yes, that's and, right. And so, um, so over Christmas, she went in there and we have a whole article on the website, AmericanGhostWalks.com, um, about, uh, you know, the haunted stories of the rave. And in particular, like she, you know, she, she got to see the pool where somebody died and they said it was really haunted and all those kind of things. And yeah. she even found, found that she even found the newspaper clipping of the person that passed away, uh, down there. But yeah. I think my, my favorite story about the Eagles ballroom is that, um, you know, Buddy Holly played there a couple of dates right. before the plane went down in Clear Lake, Iowa. That you know killed him. It killed the Big Bopper. Um, you know, Big Bopper, Chantilly Lace, and a Pretty Face. You recognize the song <laughs> out there. And that- then Richie Valens, the La Bamba. Yeah. You know, obviously, La the Bamba, movie man. was famous, and then the song La Bamba. You you've all heard it. And. Um, you know, that people would talk about, they'd be playing at the Eagles ballroom and they'd get on stage and they would look and in the curtains and the wings, they would see a figure with the glasses, you know, and he would kind of give them a nod, give them a smile. Yeah. And so that, that buddy Holly still walks the stage yeah. of the Eagles ballroom, uh, in Milwaukee. That so that's what I, so, I, I always thought that was the most interesting story about it. Beyond that, I mean, I also heard it's mobbed. The place was mobbed up for a long time. So I'm sure there's some yeah. kind of, uh, I'm sure there's some kind of, uh, true crime Mafia. there that ended up, ended up as a ghost story. Yeah. Yeah. So last question, mm-hmm. who would you like to play with living or dead in your band? Who would you like to rock out with? It could oh, be Mozart you, if you want. It could be Mozart. If sure. you feel like Mozart, Beethoven. Sure. Go ahead. No, you know, <laughs> I think I think the most fun would be to write a song with Jim Steinman, who wrote um all the meatloaf tracks. He he did a lot of I mean, he, he worked with the Sisters of Mercy. He wrote yes. um uh Bonnie Tyler's, you know, all the songs off the uh, you know, I holding out for a hero and and, and things like that. And yeah. Jim Stein and then all the Meatloaf classics. And then um I think his I, I would have loved to, to have worked with him because I think the way he puts together like a nine minute opus of all these different uh-huh. kind of rock things um would have been a dream. So when he died, mm. I was like, well I guess I'm never gonna uh never gonna fulfill that dream. But he's the he's the kind of guy that I would have loved to have tried to you know written a song with at some time. So, so did he do Paradise by the Dashboard Light? Was was he yes. one of the writers so, on that? Yeah, so he wrote that there whole album. The uh, the he wrote Battle of Hell and Battle of Hell too. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. So hey, Mike, I could talk to you for hours because <laughs> this yeah, is it's awesome. Fun. So why don't I ask you now to kind of tell people? How do they schedule a tour with American Ghost Walks? Where do they find you? You know, give us all the information so we can sure. take this tour and have a blast. So uh, American Ghost Walks, let me just list off some of the cities really quick. Uh, we're in over 20 cities uh, across the country. Um, Minneapolis, St. Paul, Stillwater, Minnesota, Red Wing, Minnesota, um, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Waukesha, Wisconsin, Lake Geneva, Madison, Bayfield, wow. uh, Chicago, um, 
we have like four or five tours in Chicago, including Devil in the White City. So we do like a true crime as well as haunted history, Naperville, Aurora, Woodstock. Uh, we even do Lake County and the and the you know the area north of the city. Um, and so we kind of the Upper Midwest. So the biggest cities in Wisconsin and Minnesota and Illinois we have covered. Then going uh, coastal Maine. If you guys get up to East Coast, we got four cities on coastal Maine: Bar Harbor, Booth Bay Harbor, Kennebunkport. Uh, you can find out what the bushes are up to on their weird compound, the Kennebunkport. Um, and uh, also in Los Angeles. And so we have uh, a, a ghost bus tour in Los Angeles, as well as a Hollywood Boulevard tour. And then we're on Maui, on Lahaina, at Hilo, on the Big Island of Hawaii. And so we, we, nice. The thing is, is and and then San Juan in Puerto Rico, old San Juan in Puerto Rico. We do. Oh, we're, that's we're the, awesome! And the, the reason that they started working on these, you know, destinations that are, you know, when you talk about. Hawaii or Puerto Rico is because number one, nobody was doing anything there. And we knew there were cool stories and great, amazing history. Oh yeah. Um, and number two, it's, it can run all year round. So when yeah. you're in, when you're in Wisconsin right now, we're in July. It's a great time to be here. Come around January. I'm thinking less and less about Wisconsin. I'm thinking less more and more yeah. about sunny places. And so you need, <laughs> right. And the reason you, you know, and, and so you need to have a, you need to have a business that can run year round. Um, you yeah. know, that, that you can, so we, the idea was we need to find other cities, um, uh, that, you know, you can run all the time so we can make it a, a real business. And it's kind of did that in the past few years. And so now we have 20 some cities. And oh, and New Orleans. So we're just gonna have a, a French Quarter tour that starts next the week. Big actually. easy. I was gonna say you gotta have New Orleans. Yeah, come on. Right. So that's <laughs> that's just. I mean, I New Orleans. I didn't want to go into um, at first because it was so saturated. But then ended up with a great opportunity mm, with um, a great. You know, just have a, a great manager and leader out there. Um, and so kind of fell the the opportunity kind of fell into the lap. You know, the American Ghost Walks lap, and we wanted to take advantage of a really. Um, like a really experienced, you know, tour guide and manager. And so now we've got a great team um, down there and then we're just starting in the French quarter. So I'm really, really excited about that. And it's all at American including a new paranormal story that comes up every week. And we've got, you know, a hundred on there right now uh, about all our various destinations, as well as like a paranormal potpourri of, you know, interesting uh, stories that. and stuff. But so we have a newsletter that comes out um, every week where we kind of, we delve into paranormal from each of the locations and ghost stories, or it might be ghost stories. It might be the, you know, Bermuda triangle or, you know, it could be UFOs. Um, sure. And so you can, you can find that all at American ghostwalks.com. Yeah. And just really quickly. So what does the tour include? You, you have a tour and you, you, you go to the sites. Is there anything else you kind of want to mention with that makes you guys special or a little different from other tours? Well, I, you know, I think what makes us special from other tours is that we don't make anything up. Um, <laughs> and yes, yes. Well, we take it, you know, we take it seriously. So that to me, it's not fun. If I know somebody's making something up or using a story that I know yeah. is untrue, right. and I've been in a lot of tours yeah. that do it, like it, it takes me out. Cause if I wanted fiction, I go to the movies and I, there's a lot of great movies I want to see. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so to me, so number one, we have like, we have rules about how we design the tours where that everything has to have a bibliography. What book do we find it in? What interview did this happen mm, with, with who, nice. you know, where, where do we find each story? And so we, we connect it together. Number one, like that. And then number two, you know, we also don't shy away from if people want to do some paranormal investigation. So we don't, so we have some things that are um, specifically for paranormal investigation. Last week we ran something in Woodstock, Illinois, where they filmed the Groundhog Day, uh, and actually the, the the bed and breakfast where you know Bill Murray slept in, and, and they played um, "I Got You, Babe" by Sonny and Cher. I got morning. you up there. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. We you know, that that place has a whole bunch of ghost stories. We did a, a paranormal investigation and tour of it last week. In like I said, in Lincoln Park, we do a haunted history tour that also includes a bunch of elements of paranormal investigation. We'll be doing that on Hollywood Boulevard this Saturday night um, in front of the old Warner Pacific theater. And nice. so, um, so I think, 
part of it is, and we have people that take it seriously. Like it's not just actors that are running it. It's not gonna be like your high school drama club doing the ghost tour. It's, it's right. I mean, some, some of the tour guides like to dress up and, and get into a character and everything, but it's not going to be one of those things where this person is just acting out in front of you. It's gonna be like, this yeah. is a, the, let me tell you about this really cool story here and the history and everything. Uh-huh. And yeah. everybody gives it their own personal spin and everybody right. who's one of our guides is is into this and and, and interested, and that's not that's like a awesome. prerequisite to work for us. But um, it's it's great storytellers that also have a passion for it that I think yeah. sets us apart. So does that mean I got to pay people? Does that mean I have to pay people more than <laughs> something like oh yeah? But that's and they're hey. worth every penny. They're worth every penny. Yes. Um, yeah. And and so and and so I think people find that with our company. Um, they have a more fun experience because we're not just going through the motions. Yeah. You have sold me, Mike. You are, uh, I'm definitely going on a tour. I'm going to convince my wife to go to Maui. I bet she'll be up for that. <laughs> okay. Or right. Puerto Rico. Uh, yeah. Hey. San Juan tour is a lot of fun. <laughs> so Mike, you are, uh, I love it. You're an interesting guy. I would love to have you on again. If you could spare the time, sure. that would be awesome. Uh, so many great stories. Um, we always end our podcast by saying, tell your ghost, we say hi. So say hi to your ghost. <laughs> and then Hello. we always say, <laughs> and we always say, stay spooky. So uh, again, thank All you right. so much, Mike. Stay spooky. We will talk later. All right. Thanks, John. Stay spooky yourself. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs>